It's a new year. It is 2023. I am sitting uh, in conversation with a former coworker who, when I first started working with him, I said something about wanting to start a podcast. I was going to start, and he said, oh, I have a podcast. And that was four years ago. And when he told me his podcast, I was a little bit blown away and a little intimidated. But what I'm going to have you do is introduce yourselves, because he also has a co-host on the podcast. So I don't know who wants to start, but I know you do say, hello, Chris. You're listening to Can't Sell This, a podcast about creativity, creatives, and their process with your hosts, Hugh Elliott and Stefan Grambart. Hello, Hugh. It is good to be here. Four years ago, the podcast that, I've, that I co-host mm-hmm. was already yeah. nine years old. So I'm Chris. I've been co-hosting a podcast about the Walking Dead TV show called The Talking Dead for 13 years. And I'm Jason, and uh, I actually am the other co-host for that said podcast. And I've been on most of them. There has been a, you know, when my son was born, there was a little bit of a break where I missed a couple of weeks where Chris's wife filled in. But uh, Chris has been on all the episodes. I've been on uh, on most of them. Oh, but like three or something. Is that right? Yeah, something like that. It was two or three. And just bear in mind, 13 years, and I don't mean to, so, I don't mean to interrupt like this, but 13 years, think about what has happened in 13 years. It's been pretty crazy. Kids. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. Like, holy shit, you moved, you changed locations, you managed to keep it going that entire time. Like how much of a Herculean effort do you feel it is? Or has it just become such a, this is the thing we do on Sunday nights or Monday evenings or whatever you actually do record that first episode after an, um, after an episode? How much of that is just habit forming? I mean, I'll be honest. I've found it pretty easy to keep it going over the years, partly because I enjoy doing it so much. I enjoy sitting here with with Jason every week and talking about the show and the comic and the novels and everything else that mm-hmm. makes up the Walking Dead universe. But you're right. We have, there, there have been a lot of changes over the years. Um, I've lived in the same place the whole time, but Jason's moved a few times. We've survived through renovations where we couldn't record in my house. We've survived through him moving far, farther mm-hmm, away. Yep. He used to live down the street from me. Um, but it's just comes back to having a good time and, and I think enjoying each other's company, <laughs> yeah. at least I hope, and uh, talking about something that's kind of fun, you know? And we, we sort of do this because we might be doing it anyways, whether yeah, we were we probably doing would. a podcast or not. Yeah. So For me, it's a craving. Like I can't, uh, it's been a couple of weeks since, uh, Chris and I got on a, on a podcast and I get antsy when mm-hmm. it's been two or three weeks when we're taking a break between, uh, you know, seasons of the show or the holidays, usually over the holidays we, uh, we podcast less, but, uh, yeah. it's, it's absolutely, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not habit forming. It's not a Her- Her- Herculean effort for me. It's more of a craving. I have to do this. Yeah. I have to, well, yeah. it is, it, you know, I, I have found that. Once I set that schedule in motion, at least for myself, it's been four years. Um, once I set the schedule in motion, I feel not necessarily an obligation to continue, but I feel that I'm putting, I'm letting myself down if I don't continue. Right. When you're dealing with the right. two of you, as um, you were saying, you, I would do this anyways. We would, we would be talking anyways. 
is that sort of how it all started out? Was the two of you sitting down and going like, did you know? And, and, <laughs> and then going like, hey, why don't we record our conversations about this? Well, you're absolutely right. So Chris and I also worked together. That's how we met. Uh, mm -hmm. Well, sort of. The reason I got that job is because uh, of someone Chris worked with pointed me towards that job. So Chris and I uh, worked together and we ended up sharing this little office at kind of thing. It was kind of a, a room in the office mm -hmm. and we had conversations. Like I think one of the first big conversations we had was uh, a deep dive into whether or not you could teach a monkey to ride a unicycle. <laughs> so I am of the uh, opinion that you cannot do that. Monkeys, oh. uh, uh, you can train them to uh, to do things that are, uh, it's a little too active. Uh, you, know, you know, there has to be a, a desire to want to ride a unicycle that uh, I, I don't think it can be beaten into you like they you do for... Uh, uh, <laughs> Hey, no, I'm not condoning beating monkeys. I but just it's think cruel. you can train when a monkey you see to ride what they do to get monkeys to ride bicycles or even bears to ride bicycles. It's really kind of a sad thing because you have to instill the fear of not doing it. So uh, that's what, anyway, we're getting back into this deep dive here. So we're good. It's full circle, but I'm just that like, was the it, first conversation we had. It, it, the, the, the first conversation, like in that time, Google has improved and you, you haven't just gone like, hey, I wonder what it looks. So you're saying that's inhumane to train a monkey. It's to, in, well, it's not only inhumane, but I. As opposed to, as opposed to against its abilities. I, I, think I it don't has think ability. it has the, I don't think you can be cruel enough to a monkey to get it to do that level of skill. Uh, that's re that's required to do that. I'm looking at a I'm looking at a Getty image video with a monkey riding a unicycle. No <laughs> way, man. Yeah, I'm oh, surprised you never Google. bothered to look. I'm not saying that I am like it's totally yeah. not cool. That probably was not a cool thing to do. It probably right. did not make that monkey feel good in any way to want to do it. But I mean, they're way more dexterous than we are, and being able <laughs> okay, to ride so a, more, a unicycle shouldn't be that difficult. This is absolutely on brand for me. Like Chris is laughing because he knows that uh, my, you know, what is on brand for me is when I'm absolutely sure of something, yeah. I'm always dead wrong. Yeah. Always. Every single yeah. time. And I, I appreciate the, the ability to Google that now. We probably had this conversation yeah. 20 years ago, more, mm -hmm. yep. maybe a little bit, where we just had to sit there and talk it <laughs> out and try to figure I, I it think, out. I think and, I've uh, actually said to, I think Chris, you and, and and a couple of our friends were sitting around and I said, like, I will never have an argument in a bar about something I can look up because I, it's just not worth the trouble. No, yeah. it just doesn't, that doesn't exist anymore. But I could see we, it. We sat in this little office and uh, sure. worked occasionally and talked about monkeys riding unicycles. But this does bring me to one of my questions that did come up. And I, I did bring this up to, to Chris in a conversation. Uh, it's got to be a, a, over a year ago. And I'd said that Chris is the Chris is the fan. Chris is the fan of Walking Dead. He's the fan of the comics. He got into it really early, was, you know, was really into the lore, was into the, the whole canon of it. And Jason, you are the the generalized knowledge holder. You seem to know a lot about a lot. And it's always like, you just go, well, that's not how they would have tended a wound. And I, I'm just like, oh, okay. And there's like some military background you have. And there's a, like, whenever you talk about MREs, I'm always like, oh, that's interesting. So there's a lot of interesting things you seem to know. And it's, I think it, I, I think the question that I've got is, 
is that right? <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> and I don't think anybody's ever uh, articulated that before. Like, I don't think it's ever come up. I know Chris and I have never talked about it, but hmm. uh, I, I think you're probably more on the nose than you think. Like, the reason that uh, we started this podcast was Chris told me about this, told me about the comic book and that okay. there was, uh, you know, that AMC bought the rights to do a TV show. And we thought at that point... Uh, you know, hey, let's podcast about that. So, <laughs> and I think that that's fair. Chris is uh, is is more invested in in the uh, in, in the Walking Dead, and I rely on that because <clears throat> I uh, I don't, uh, and I've said this on the podcast many times uh, that I don't look at stories, I don't uh, follow anything on the internet related to the Walking Dead in any way, shape, or form. <clears throat> uh, the every time I find out any kind of news about The Walking Dead, it's because Chris is telling me about it on the podcast. <laughs> and that's it. It works great. It's kind of the dynamic and it, it sort of works. Like we definitely have our, our roles as co-hosts of this, of this podcast. <laughs> We've never really talked in depth about it. I think we kind of both know what we do and what we each bring to the show. Right. Listeners point it yeah. out sometimes though, you know, in the same way you did, Hugh, like I sort of keep things moving forward and um, I'm the one who's much more connected to the Walking Dead universe, mm -hmm. I'm reading news, I'm, I'm looking at what's upcoming, things like that. Yes. And Jason's kind of reacting to well, things. Well, even, even to the extent of, of how you consumed the final episode, I was really interested in hearing that on, the, on, your, on your podcast was you'd said... Chris, you went to San Francisco, you watched it in the theater with a group of fans. And Jason, you did a short subscription to AMC Plus so you could watch it live. Holy and, shit, and, I'm still and subscribed. Watch, and watch commercials for the for the first time in however long <laughs> yeah, that aren't forced been... you through YouTube, you know? Yeah, I'm still subscribed. I didn't unsubscribe. So, oh, jeez, uh, get to it, buddy. Get I got to gotta it. get on, I think. <laughs> I just saved you 20 bucks. Maybe, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> but but it, that seems to that seems to be the theme throughout is that Jason you you go out of your way to engage with the larger community and and um or sorry Chris you engage with the larger community and Jason you have a larger sense of everything else. <laughs> it is and if it's it, it's personality thing too. Uh mm -hmm. you know when I travel it's because I have to. When right. Chris travels it's because he wants to. <laughs> so, and it's a double-edged sword. If I don't have to travel, I don't. Right. Uh, just, and I've talked about it on the podcast yeah. as well. Like just the, just the, the amount of Herculean steps it would take to get me from my living room to the airport is more <laughs> than I want to bear. <laughs> yeah. And we've, we've, I've done it. We've made you do it. I mean, right. you've, you've done it. You know, it, the podcast took both of us to yep. Atlanta once, right. Yep. And, and to New York city once. And, mm -hmm. uh, I love doing that kind of stuff. I love going places, seeing things, hanging out with people and our listeners and other podcasters we've gotten to know too. Right. That's just my, one of my favorite things right. about this whole endeavor. Uh, but I understand some people just don't like to leave their house <laughs> and that works for them. <laughs> well, I like it once it's done. It's like anything else in my life is, uh, you know, actually doing something is uh, a lot 
a lot more fun than it is to think about having to do something, even if it's something I want to do. My, my, my philosophy is that I, sure. I hate traveling, but I love arriving. Right. I, I hate the act of, a, of traveling, right. but I love getting where I'm going and just putting my shit away and going, okay, I'm here. Let's do whatever it is we're going to do. I'm kind of the weirdo that sort of actually likes airports and I like staying in hotels and things like that. Okay. I, I like all of it, to be honest with you. And if I'm going somewhere, I, somewhere I've mm -hmm. been before because I love it there, such as San Francisco, uh, it's, it's even better, but I'm just, a, so. just a travel guy, I guess. <laughs> and yeah. there must be some level of satisfaction in not just, not just having fans, but actually being able to meet fans, like going to a, a convention or going somewhere and, and, and all of a sudden meeting a bunch of people who have listened to you for however many years. It is pretty fun. Um, it's not something I ever expected mm -hmm. was going to come of this, right? We, we really didn't have many expectations when we, we started this podcast other than at the time I was listening to other early podcasts about TV shows, fan recaps and things like that. And, um, I started thinking that right. that would be fun. I could do something like that. And, you know, Jason and I dabbled with podcasting a little bit, even before we started this one about the walking dead, doing some other things, almost just yeah. practicing right. a little bit. You know, we didn't know what we were doing at, at the time, you know, going into it, I never really had the expectation of it turning into anything or certainly turning into something as, uh, I don't want to say big, but you know, something that people actually listen to and things like that. And so all of the meeting people and going to conventions and, you know, I ended up hosting panels and being on stage with yeah. uh, Denai Guerrera, who, who plays Michonne and Chandler Riggs, who played Carl and, and, you know, some of the biggest characters on the show mm -hmm. that just all for a little while blew my mind. And, uh, I kind of had to get used to it, but it certainly was one of the more fun, exciting I don't know, satisfying things. It's very exciting, but uh, uh, yeah, I th I, I'm a little more, um, I'm not sure how to put it. I, uh, you know, it, it's something that makes me a little more anxious than, uh, than, uh, than you feel, Chris, when, uh, when that happens. But, and you're the performer musician, between right? the two of us. Like, yeah. You were, you were playing in bands, uh, so, musicians. Well, it's, it's yeah. a very weird thing. I'm a drummer. And I've always, uh, Oh, so you're always been in behind. <laughs> I, so the thing is, I like to perform. I absolutely love being on stage, but I hate being the center of attention. I want to be part of something that is right. more, you know, greater than myself. I just don't want to perform by myself. I've done that. Uh, you know, I've, uh, in high school, I, uh, uh, you know, the, one of the reasons we started talking about unicycling is I actually do ride a unicycle. And, uh, I was a clown for a while and I juggle and stuff. The first time I performed in front of a large audience was at my Christmas assembly in high school. There was like 2,600 people, uh, in the gym at that, like the whole school was there and it was a big school. Mm -hmm. And I got up in front of them and I juggled to a Frank Zappa tune, which was. Wish that was on video. Yeah. It was before video was a thing. Really? <laughs> Super 8. Uh, maybe. It was before Super 8. It would have been a VHS thing for sure. But, uh. <laughs> You know, I really enjoyed performing and practicing, but uh, God damn it, I was the center of attention and I really didn't like that because then day, for days afterwards, it was uh, people saying, hey, I saw you, that was awesome. And it just, it made me uncomfortable. Right. So, uh, you know, I enjoy meeting the, the fans, the, the ones that we've met, uh, that I've met, uh, uh, went out and about, and it, it's kind of fun, but it, uh, 
you know, maybe I do have that uh, a little more anxiety around the whole uh, acknowledgement, praise maybe. I'm not sure how to, do, I've never taken compliments very well. <laughs> and I think that's the problem. That may be the issue right there. <laughs> yeah. You don't like taking well, compliments. I, going to conventions and stuff like that, you know, I, people knew, I always talked about mm -hmm. it. So people knew I would be there. They, sometimes they'd want to meet me or whatever and recognize me. Um, one time, one time I was recognized, uh, How? just walking around, living my life <laughs> uh, for the podcast. I was, oh, I was wearing, wearing the podcast. The podcast. I know okay. it's crazy. Right, I was right. wearing the podcast. But it had hosts on the back. Okay. Not this one, but uh, similar. <laughs> like security. <laughs> right. it, it said, says, talk oh, to me. I host a podcast. <laughs> No, and I was renting a car and she pointed to my shirt, the woman behind the counter and said, do you listen to that podcast? And <laughs> I said, no, not really. Right. Because I record it. <laughs> did she and, did her hands uh, go up like, oh. that was kind of fun. That was. Did she do a thing? Like, <laughs> yeah, she, Aww, she became very shy all of a sudden. Like, <laughs> like she, she, Neat. yeah, a little bit. It was funny. Um, yeah, that was the only one time. So now you just uh, wear the shirt weird, everywhere. But. You know, just on the off chance everywhere. I never take it. it off. Yeah. I, I, I just yeah, need that uh, recognition. <laughs> it's never been one, just one yeah. shirt. They all arrest get went to giveaways. Yeah. Couldn't afford a bunch. Yeah. That's I right. I remember um, there was a short period of time and I, where you talked about having uh, a sponsor and it was like a wine. Was, am I remembering this correctly? It was a wine winery. It was wine. We did a yeah, that's right. A whole half season of The Walking Dead was brought to you by yeah. the wine. Well, we brand. forgot about that. It's it's one of the few sponsorships we've done on the show. We've done the occasional ad, um, but that was a more long. And were you never looking for one. a sponsorship? You never thought, oh, I, I wouldn't mind getting a couple of bucks from somebody to do this. And I mean this to both of you. I'd love to hear both of your opinions no, on it. Never really actively, to be honest with you. Um, like I was saying before really started this without really many expectations, never intended to make a lot of money to whatever, just sort of wanted to do it for fun and see where it went. Occasionally mm -hmm. opportunities have come up for sponsorships or one-off ads, things like that. And we've done them, but we've also stayed away from it a little bit on purpose. The wine thing came around and you know, they offered a little more than I was sort of ever expecting. And then, at right. a certain point, right. I can't really turn it down. Um, but I don't know that I would do that again. I, not, not that sort of, to that, not at that level. I don't I'm think. not sure how I feel about it. I mean, I've never uh, been on that side of things where I've either, uh, you know, seeked out a sponsorship or reacted to any requests coming in. That's all uh, Chris would mm -hmm. uh, manage all of that. But uh, I'm not sure. I'm not opposed to it, but I'm not, uh, but I'm also kind of proud that we don't do that actively. Like there's not every episode has, uh, it's been a long time since we've done any kind of sponsorship or Shilling. our ad read or anything <laughs> other than Patreon. Like, like we have, yeah. we have Patreon subscribers, have a Patreon, which, is fantastic, yeah. which is fantastic. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's great, but, uh, uh, yeah, I'm kind of proud that we didn't, uh, we didn't go down that route. Yeah. And, and the ones we have done over the years, it's always, we've always limited it to mm -hmm. a, a service we use or something that we have some experience with. You know, we were, yeah. we were doing Audible for a while for audiobooks, right. you know, a long, long time ago, but 
Jason's a huge audiobook guy and he always had a book to recommend. Yeah. I still I still have a get two two audiobooks a month and I go through them. So absolutely. Yeah. Doing that for a decade almost. I think the the thing that always throws me off is the is the idea that you need to have sponsors to have a podcast. Like the this concept of I need to make money doing this. I, on one hand, I am torn because I don't have another job. So the podcasting is currently what I do. But on the other hand, podcasting for yourself costs nearly nothing, right? Like you pay for your own hosting mm-hmm. or you host it somewhere for relatively cheap. And then everything else is you've already bought the equipment and yeah. editing isn't that hard or yeah, editing is super hard. I like to tell my listeners, <laughs> <laughs> anybody that wants to buy my services, <laughs> editing is really hard. It takes a long time. And I, I think I've said before, it's like every minute is like four minutes. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So if you record for an hour, it's like four hours. That's not really that long, but it is an effort. I know what it's know? like. <laughs> yeah. I, I've always been like, I've never quit my day job to do this. You know, I've, I've been very, very lucky in that I've had a, mm-hmm. a job that pays the bills and the podcast has been able to be something we do for fun. Started as a hobby and it's always stayed a hobby in a way. You know what I mean? It's uh, it brings in a few bucks here and there. I covers the cost of hosting, covers the cost of, you know, the equipment I've purchased over the years, but I haven't Mm -hmm. really bought much over the years. I stick to what I have and, uh, I have no expectations of, of getting rich. Would that be something that would be great? (laughs) Absolutely. If someone wants to inject a million dollars into this thing and, uh, we quit our jobs and we podcast for a living. Fantastic. But I don't see that happening. Yeah. Chris and I have a, uh, you know, an agreement. I don't know if you remember, Chris, but uh, when we first started this, the uh, the agreement that we had was mostly <laughs> verbal. But I'm pretty sure you could find a chat history somewhere that has this uh, on on paper. But if either one of us gets super rich, uh, we'll uh, we'll start a uh-huh. podcasting business and hire the other person for uh, an exorbitant <laughs> amount of money. So that's uh, that was the deal. Perfect. I like that Chris <laughs> is pretending he's not heard this before. That he's sound- like, what? <laughs> Sounds great to me. Yeah, I, I, no idea yeah. what you're talking about, but sounds good. One of you needs to get super rich. Yeah. It just requires that, one of us to get super rich, which then benefits everybody. That's the that's yeah. the secret is how do you get rich without uh, doing much? I don't I don't understand how to do that. You have to be. It takes uh, a drive that I do not have uh, right. to uh, to to do uh-huh. that. It's all on you. Yeah, so if you're you saying wouldn't it's mind getting me, rich, I, Chris, that'd be fantastic. I'd be all on board. Okay. And then you could pay me for uh, not doing all right. a whole lot other than uh, uh, you know co-hosting podcasts. Well, <laughs> I'll get to I'll get right to work. You know the the question I have, and, and when you talked about it, when I listened to the uh, the final episode episode, you you'd said, "Well, this is the last time we're going to do this," and it was, I think, J- uh, Jason, you said. No, it's not. <laughs> and, and it was like, you, you had to qualify yeah. what you meant, Chris. And I was like, oh, you didn't need to qualify that. It's like, you meet, you meant the main show and there's going to be so many other shows. And yeah, I always yeah. thought it was great how you guys could take the, those mid season breaks and like talk about shit. You're actually interested in In addition to the walking dead, talk about books and movies and things uh-huh. like that. Yeah. We've, we've covered other things over, over the years, other complete runs mm-hmm. of TV shows or seasons anyway, a season anyways. Um, and sometimes just other stuff. Occasionally we've done episodes, uh, you know, sort of an ask us anything style where listeners just write in or call in questions they have for us. I think it's kind of fun to answer those. 
Um, we even did live call-in way back 100, early in the day. Yeah. Was I think there, really? We did a live call-in show. Yeah. How'd that go? That's right. Fun. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, it went, it went great. Yeah. I mean, th- those were the days when we were sitting here in, you know, the Talking Dead recording studio, right, AKA right, my basement yeah. together. Right. So we were sitting in the same room when Jason Walking lived distance, yeah. just down the street, he'd come over and we'd record together. And, uh, so it was a little bit easier in those days, but I guess we could still do it, but it's, it's been fun. Mm-hmm. We've had a lot of different experiences over the years recording this thing, a lot of different setups. We even have a briefcase that we trade. So there's this little briefcase that we have, which is a travel <laughs> pack of uh, the, the travel podcasting pack. Yeah. So if okay. one of us has to travel for work, uh, we take that briefcase and, uh, you know, it has a, a mic and a, and a deck and, uh, you know, various equipment and stuff. So you could uh, sit in the hotel room and hook it up to your computer and, and record. And Chris and I have both used it and Chris has it currently, I believe. Yeah, I do. Part of the reason we have that is because I, I once, um, used a USB mic in a hotel room when I was traveling somewhere. We thought the recording went great. And, you know, I was going to sit on the plane on the way home and do a little bit of editing and stuff like that. And I fired it up on the, on the plane and wouldn't you know it that the audio that the USB mic recorded was all <laughs> staticky and unusable. So it's the only time we've ever lost a complete recording. And since then, I'm like, I do not trust the USB microphone. So I'm going to travel with a little small um, audio interface and a real mic and a couple of good cables and things like that. And have never had a problem since then. Except for the time I landed in Austin, Texas with it. And the guy thought it was a firearm. It's- in a pelican case so they carried it Uh, out to me and said here's your gun sir i'm like what uh, texas yeah no it's got uh yeah yeah, it's good well i guess it's a pelican case so i guess it could contain a firearm but you know it's main pelican cases are used for camera equipment and i guess audio equipment so Uh anyway i thought it was that's a bit presumptuous well it's texas yeah it was texas and it has two locks on it to be fair jason because you like to symmetry there's a lock Lock there's a lock hole on each (laughs) side and they're tsa locks so the tsa can (laughs) open it and look inside without any problems Uh right they just they that's very conscientious so they don't have to cut the locks or anything like that they just open it up look inside and and i've traveled and when i got to my destination there was a little card inside saying we looked in this you know, it's like, fine. That's why I put those yeah. locks on there. That's right. I bought a rifle case for transporting my light bars. And I, oh, yeah. uh, when I, when I knew I was flying to Rhode Island, I, oh yeah, I said, can I ship these to you? Can I FedEx these to you? So I don't have to carry these through customs. Cause although it's got a big logo on it, it says light motion capture. <clears throat> I don't want to be, I don't want to be held up. And the guy's like, you're coming into the America. We're not worried about guns the way you are. And I was like, well, yeah, but still, yeah. you know, I don't want to. <laughs> so I ended up FedExing it and having them FedEx it back to me. But it, it was a literal rifle case. So, I mean, right. it would have stood out as a weapon. This I never considered the idea that they might think it was a weapon. Sure but Texas. They sure did. Although I've taken it other places in the U.S. and it wasn't. Oh, it's fun fact. So maybe it's in just Canada, Texas. you can FedEx a firearm. Uh, the, the law is you can FedEx a firearm as long as you don't tell FedEx what it is. Oh. Oh. Weird, eh? Oh. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you can FedEx nearly anything as long as you don't tell FedEx what it is. <laughs> See, seems like a bit of a loophole, but okay. You can ship them in the mail. You can order yeah. uh, You can order a firearm online if you have a, you know, your possession and acquisition license, which I do, uh, because I inherited some firearms from my uh, father that passed away about a decade ago, so uh, I needed to get my license. They've been sitting in a 
you know, the, those antique firearms have been sitting in a cabinet for the last, I haven't opened that thing up in five or six years, but when I first got them, my mom had to send them to me and she, she, you know, we tried to figure out how to get them. Do I go down and pick them up and drive them up? She's like, no, you just send them by FedEx. Just don't tell them what it is. This is it. You see, this, <laughs> this is, is this know. is the reason, you know, things like this, right? You know, you know how to get around shipping firearms, you know, you did the basic training, you know, all this. As stuff. long as it's checked, you know, you don't try and take it as a carry on. You're fine. Is the way for flying, yeah. Right. Terrible idea. <laughs> Same with swords. But I digress. <laughs> Same I had a, with swords. I had, we were in Singapore <laughs> yes. and somebody, uh, one, of the, one of the, I was in a band, in a clown band oh. that did uh, a tour of Asia and uh, we were in, we were flying home from Singapore and uh, one of the members of the band had bought some swords from uh, somewhere for some reason. I'm not entirely sure what his thinking was, but it's like, how am I going to get these home? So they contact we contacted singapore airlines and they said just put them in your carry-on yeah. we don't care about swords if they're in the belly of the plane what the hell are you gonna do with them you can't use them so just ship them god damn god yeah, damn check luggage. Your checked luggage yeah <laughs> yeah that's all i can think when someone says clown band i was like juggalos oh. but obviously not it was a long time ago it was a lot of fun though well it would be um uh shit I'll talk about a clown band. He just drives the conversation right into the ground. Well, I've done know, that more than once. Well, is that just yeah. lose the conversation, lose the thread? Lose the, Welcome lose the to thread our shtick, man. Well, here's here's something I'd like to uh, like to talk about a little bit. And it's it's uh, Jason would be your your history in the military, whatever time you spent. The question is, how long were you in the military? So not well. It's a combination of not very long and a couple of years. So I was in. Uh, I joined a pipe band. So bagpipes, drums, and such. So when I was younger in high school, I joined the pipe band in Sault Ste. Marie, which is the 49th Field Regiment, uh, pipes and drums. So hmm. the pipe band was associated with the armories and the reserve unit that's there. It's a it's a uh, artillery unit that was there, just reserves. So when I was in the pipe band, I was like 15, 16 years old. Oh, okay. When I turned 17... They said, uh, you can join the military. If you join the reserves, you can get paid for being in the pipe band. So every time you come to a rehearsal on Tuesdays and Thursdays, or when we go do parades in the summer or whatever we do, you are getting paid as, uh, as a reservist, reservist. So, uh, you have to be 18 years of old, 18 years old to be in the regular, uh, military, but as a reservist, you can be 17. So at 17, I joined up as a reservist. I went through basic training down in mm -hmm. Petawawa, CFB Petawawa. And then I was in the, uh, while I was in the pipe band for the next four or five years, I was in the reserves. So every once in a while we had to do something, uh, non pipe band related. So the, the, the military training I got other than, uh, you know, practicing to play my snare drum was uh, <laughs> essentially basic training. So right. uh, a few weeks of uh, intensive, uh, lots of running, lots of crawling, lots of digging holes, some firing of weapons kind right. of thing. Would you say that that your experience as a reservist has given you that, that knowledge that you have when you talk about MREs, you talk about the way firearms behave or ammunition behaves in relation to the length of time they're meant to be sitting around in the walking dead universe, or is that more of a generalized sense of, I've just looked this shit up over time and, and have a general sense of how things are. 
It's a combination. So uh, being a reservist uh, has given me an eye for pay, paying attention to that kind of stuff. And uh, when I had to get my PAL, my possession and acquisition license for uh, inheriting the antique firearms that I did, I had to go through training for that, mm-hmm. which was like two days. No firing, just, uh, you know, basic, this is what a firearm is. That's the pointy end. Don't ever point it at anything. Well, I learned that in the military is if you're, you, you have a rifle and you're, it's pointed down range, there's a guy in a tower, uh, you know, a couple hundred feet away. If you point that rifle that's, uh, that's loaded in any direction other than down range, that guy's going to shoot you. Right. Right. It's his job to take you out if you look like you're going to threaten anybody else with that rifle. So that gives you a sense of. God damn it, I better point this thing in one direction only <laughs> kind of thing. Like it scares the crap out of you when you're 17 years old. Yeah. Uh, well, it would scare the crap out of me more now probably. It'd be like, I'm not touching a rifle because I might point it in a direction that I don't want to. But well, it's given me an eye. Yeah. yeah, sorry, to bring it back around. It's given me an eye for that kind of thing. So when I see something where, the, and that's called muzzle discipline, where you, uh, you know, the direction of where you're, pointing that muzzle is very important and you have to pay attention to that mm-hmm. and trigger discipline. Keep your finger off the trigger unless you plan on p- pulling it right. kind of thing. Uh, as far as MREs go. I, I just love them. <laughs> I, well, I buy them. I, 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 yeah, I have you do a bunch of them. MREs. I find them delicious. So, uh, you know, I have some that are a few years old now. I've had some that are a number of years old. I sent Chris an MRE once. Uh, he still hasn't eaten it. You should yeah, eat it. Still it's have still it. good. It's a meal I ready see. to eat, Chris. <laughs> When's well, it good until? Do you, uh, probably, do you know? If it's stored, uh, if you don't store it in your car or you don't store it in the yard, you could probably eat it 10 <laughs> years after you bought it. So it's it's still good, likely. Okay. So I, I you sent me MRE pizza and something else too, but I know the pizza's there. Yes. I am curious about it. It's been sitting here for five or six years, though. The pizza's still good because I still have some of that pizza, and I uh, haven't thrown it away yet. Right, but you ate some of it, right? I ate some of it when I first got it. But, uh, yeah, so that's been a few years, but it's still good. Uh, I'll teach you how to read the the Julian calendar codes on the back if you're really interested. (laughs) Well, I kind of am. Maybe we should eat the MRE pizza. I think you should. Live on the air. (laughs) Sure. And record it because we, we've done the odd taste test over the years too. When, when food pops up on the walking dead, something that we're not familiar with, or for whatever reason, we start talking about something and it's food related. We have done some food, right. You know, taste tests on the air. So maybe it's time for an MRE. I would love that. I would, uh, I would definitely do that. Okay. Well, what was the trigger for sending the MRE to Chris, the episode in which they find all those MREs? Was that the reasoning behind it? Or was that just in general, you were having a conversation with, oh, fuck it, I'll send you a pizza? Yeah, it's just general, general conversation. I think it was before that episode ever, ever aired. Uh, no, it's just. Oh. That was it. Yeah, I got some pizza. You want some? Sure. <laughs> I got, yeah, I got, the, I was down in the States. I was traveling for work uh-huh. and uh, specifically that, uh, that MRE pizza you can't get in Canada because you can't ship dairy uh, oh. meat products over the, and, and dairy over the border. So right. you have to take it in yourself. So mm-hmm. I brought it and I didn't want to pack it. I didn't want to carry it in my carry-on because it's packed in Mylar packaging, which is metal. So I was worried about going through uh, customs and security with this MRE packet. So I took pictures of everything, packed everything. And then when I got to the customs form, I checked, yes, I have some food. So they brought me over and I said, I have a bunch of MREs. And the guy was like, what's that? And I'm like, fuck, 
Now I got to explain what an MRE is. Are you familiar with canned food? <laughs> Think of canned food, but in plastic bags instead. <laughs> I have some of that. Buckle up. I've got yeah. something to say. <laughs> yeah. So I brought them home. I was all excited because I got through customs with, uh, with my pizza. And uh, I sent Chris one because he, he walks up to the customs guy and says, so it all started when I was <laughs> yeah. 15 in a pipe. Band. Listen to here. So I was a reservist. <laughs> and I, yeah. I got a taste for this shit. Yeah. You have no idea, my friend. <laughs> but it's great. I mean, that kind of stuff works. It does. Pairs well with The Walking Dead. You know, he watches for weapons things. He watches for food. He watches for reactions of military people on the show, you know, things like that. And mm-hmm. and. We have listeners that call and write in all the time that say, yeah. no, you're a little off on that. You know, though, this right. gun thing works this way, not that way. And that gun he was holding was some other model that, you know, you called it something else. And that that happened. Well, not as much anymore, but uh, it did for a long time there and it continued to. So, you know, it's it's great to have. Jason's yeah. perspective on all these sorts of things. And then I, well, I, I remember that that was the difference between a, a gas powered uh, carbine rifle, semi-automatic rifle and a semi-automatic pistol, which doesn't have a piston rod to push, push back the breech. Uh, it only uses the recoil to push back the breech. So I, 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 I took that lesson. Well, yeah, there you go. We had a guy who there was an episode early on in the Negan days when, you know, Negan's holding the baseball bat up and someone shoots it and the bullet hits the bat. And so we had a listener down in Alabama, I think. Shoot a bat? Did he shoot a bat? Go to his yeah. gun range. Shoot some bats. And shoot yeah. a bat for us and send us the videos. Yeah, I've I've got those videos of it. He, he wanted to find out what would actually happen if he shot a hardwood nice. slugger baseball bat or whatever it was. But, I mean, the bullet would have penetrated the wood like it wouldn't it but not if it's full of nails right like there would have been possibility of ricochet with nails in it uh barbed wire barbed or wire. or uh barbed wire he did not wrap the bat in barbed wire um and you know i don't know that the gun was exactly the same but he was shooting some sounds to me like you guys just got shafted yeah <clears throat> over information well you know sounds like a lie just a lie we got to bring mythbusters back online <laughs> yeah and then get them to do an episode <laughs> on research it. and development department could you shoot a bat yeah. wrapped in barbed wire well they've done zombie episodes they've done star wars episodes they've done themed episodes before so uh sounds like it's right up their alley yeah it's not like uh Jamie and Adam like each other very much anymore so uh, i don't think that shows ever going come back no i don't think it will i think uh, adam's doing oh. just fine on his own he is i um, watch his episode he watches youtube stuff all the time me too yeah um so here's here's a, a question and uh, it's not related to jamie or adam getting along or you and uh, chris getting along <laughs> I, I i had said to chris one of the last times we'd hung out i'd said the what did you guys get tired of the walking dead did you find yourself sort of sighing, you know, because you could hear it. And with all, I mean this as, as gently as I possibly can, you could hear it in your voice, Jason, when when you talked about some of the episodes of Fear or some of the episodes of The World Beyond, where you're just like, oh God, it's just yeah, stupid. This is stupid. And <laughs> and I wondered when, when they showed like five different series that are following the end of the main series, did you kind of go, oh, I really wish they wouldn't do that many, or I wish, I wish it wouldn't expand that far? Did you, do you feel that way, or are you kind of just excited about 
continue the conversation. It's a very complex question. So it has to do with the the main show and other shows. Uh, every time we watched Fear, like Fear was a caravan of garbage every once in a while. And then the other shows were just, uh, you know, various dumpster fires and some good quality stuff. But uh, every time we went back to the main show and there was another season of the main show, mm-hmm. it felt like I had, you know, put on a warm, friendly comforter just to kind of wrap myself. And I was like, finally, I can get back into this right. show. I don't have to deal with this other shit. There was a bunch of stuff uh, that I liked about Fear. When John Dory was on the show, yeah. I fucking loved him. I was like a laser focused on that guy. And he's just like, okay, this guy is the end all be all of everything I've ever wanted out of life. And then they friggin' killed him off and replaced him with another guy with the same name. Yeah. Like yeah. what the hell? Uh, so the main show, I never got tired of. Like uh, the other shows, uh, sometimes they, I, they were inconsistent and uh, things that I did not like, and I, I did not hold my tongue in any way, shape, or form. The d- other shows that are being that are, uh, are the spinoff uh, spinoffs that are coming up that uh, that haven't aired yet. I'm hoping that they can be good quality. We've had some spinoff shows that uh, have been fantastic in the world of television mm-hmm. uh, that uh, that uh, that are great. You know, the the quintessential one is Mork and Mindy, was a spinoff from Happy Days. Yeah, like so. Great. Fantastic. It's its own thing. It's, it was a really good thing. It had a lot of good qualities. I mean, Pam Dauber ended up being just a useless piece of cardboard. It's just like, you know, do not act. They kept telling her, don't do anything. Just <laughs> let Robin Williams do his thing. And she's like, why am I here? Well, am I here for a reason? No, not really. I digress. <laughs> uh, so these shows, I, I have high hopes for them. Yeah. Uh, but the biggest problem I had was that they spoiled the our show f- because they were telling us about these other shows. Like we knew that Negan right. uh, was going to survive and go to New York. We knew that Daryl was going to survive and go to Paris. Uh, you know, we, uh, and then they had that, uh, uh, post credit scene, which is the only way I can rationalize it of, uh, Rick and Michonne at the end. Uh, so they sacrificed, uh, the walking dead show, to give us information about these spinoff shows. Mm. And that was, that's the biggest problem I had with them. They could be fantastic. Like there's a lot of potential there. I have worries because of the track record that the, the Walking Dead universe has, but I have hopes. Uh, and uh, I don't think I'm tired of the universe yet. I'm tired of uh, crappy television just for the sake of putting out crappy television. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am, I... I feel the same way to a lesser degree. Like, um, (laughs) no, I mean, Mm -hmm. I've never grown tired of the main show. It's had its ups and downs, you know, season uh, seven and eight were not its best. Those were, and then nine, 10 and 11 were good again. It was good early on. Um, Fear started pretty well. It had a few good years there and then just nosedived into one of the worst shows like I've ever seen. Like it's really, really bad. Um, and World Beyond had its ups and downs and so on. I'm not tired of of the Walking Dead universe though. And I'm not tired of talking about it. And I am looking forward to the ones that are coming up for the most part. They're all going to be pretty short, you know, six episodes, eight episodes, something like that. They're not committing to right. multiple seasons, long, you know, 15, 16 episode seasons, anything like that or more. So mm-hmm. they're going to have to keep it focused and they're going to have to tell the story they want to tell. And I hope, hope they do it well. Um, but there are a lot of them. There's yeah. 
three of them coming up and tails might return uh, as, as far as we know. So um, there's going to be no shortage of things to, to continue talking about, but it did feel like a turning point for us when the main show ended because yeah. that was always the original focus and the primary focus and that ended. And that's why I said in that episode, like this is the last time we're going to be doing this because it did feel like the last time in a way, and it felt like an end for us, but also yeah. a beginning mm. of all this, this other stuff. When we do the main show, uh, you know, we do a, a, a kind of a blow by blow recap of the show. We're not going to be doing that again for the other shows. Oh, okay. Uh, is, is my understanding. So that was, uh, uh, you know, the, the last time that we're doing this is, you know, Chris making specific notes about the actual episode and talking about them in real time or at near real time. Cause I watched the episode as we're talking about it oh. and jump around a little bit. Not for the first time, but he does. Not for the first along. time. Yeah. Like, I, like I just follow along just in case I notice something or uh, Chris mentioned something and we get confused because that happens. Uh, you know, let's go to the tape and I can just kind of, uh, you know, shuffle around and see <laughs> what, uh, what's going on there. But uh, we're not going to be doing that again. Right. Like not with, uh, not with fear or the other, other episodes. Um, uh, I don't think so. Unless Chris, you disagree. No, we've, we've never, we've only ever approached the main show as a scene by scene recap. Right. And the other ones, we just kind of talk in general terms a little bit. I don't want to say we're not going to necessarily do that for maybe one of the upcoming new shows. Okay. I think there is a lot of value in that scene by scene recap. Actually, I've heard from listeners who are, mm. you know, who have impaired vision, for example, and and they really appreciate the detail that we go through scene by scene. It helps them or enhances their ability to enjoy the show a little bit. I've heard from more than one person that has expressed that to me. So, you know, even if there's just one or two people out there that, that sort of get that level out of it, I'm happy to do it. So I think maybe we will, I don't know for which one, but we can figure that out. But I think maybe we will do the scene by scene for one of them and do the more general conversation about the right. others. We'll have to see. It's so funny, but I, I think about, the fact that you talk about, uh, Jason, you'll talk about your kid, Jasper, you'll say Jasper is doing this now. Yeah. When you talk about how your child has developed over the time that you've been podcasting and Jason, your kid is 17. Is it 16, 17, 18? Chris. Chris, sorry. How old's your... No, that's me. Chris. He has two daughters. You have two daughters and one is 17, eight, 16. No, one of them, okay. one of them's turning 16 in three days. Yeah. And Jasper's three or four. Six now. Shut up. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's how I feel. Six. Well, yeah, I have a sixteen-year-old and an eleven-year-old, so I I know exactly what you like. I remember yeah. conversations where you talk about, oh, so and so is this age. The other mm -hmm. person would say, oh yeah, I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Right. We've done this for thirteen years. Mm -hmm. The Walking Dead has only have eleven seasons, <laughs> so we've been doing it for longer than the show is on. But you can say thirteen years, and it's like, yeah, whatever. 13 years is a long time, but it's a teenager. When I think about the fact that my, yeah, my younger daughter was four months old when we started and she's now yeah. 13, <laughs> that's weird. That's what puts it into perspective for me, kind of how long we've been doing it. Yeah. Even Jasper too. Like I remember when he was born and now he's six, like yeah. what the hell, where is the time going? I, he I, was only uh, a couple of weeks old, maybe yeah, a couple of weeks old and I was holding him in my arms. When I watched Negan beat Glenn to death with a, <laughs> uh, a barbed wire wrapped baseball bat, he was asleep. Sure. Yeah. He didn't, and I had headphones on, but uh, yeah, I, the baby in arms when that happened. That's a, that's how it all that's, starts. That's how it all yeah. starts. Yeah. Oh, you're raising a little <laughs> Negan there. Good thing he was asleep. I, psh, me too. Hope not. 
yeah, sorry. That's that's a, that's not a friendly thing to say. He's very passionate about Minecraft at the moment, so uh, I wouldn't put it past him at this point. Do you have a favorite episode of the main show? When you think, when you go, oh, like, Negan was doing this, I can think of a specific scene that I really enjoyed, that I thought was acted really well, still strikes me as a, a, as a scene that I could watch again. Like, I would watch the whole episode just to watch that scene again. Mm-hmm. Is there a scene or is there an episode in, that comes to mind when I describe it like that, where you're like, yeah, I've, I've watched this particular episode a few times jason i know you've said like i've never done a full rewatch yep. but have you ever revisited an episode saying like i love that one so much just the fact the way they reacted the way everything happens the set pieces everything like did you do you ever go back and go i'm gonna go watch that one again no uh because then not at all no i can't my personality uh means that if i watch anything i'll go back and watch the whole thing it's the same reason why i cannot have a drag of a cigarette i you know i smoked for 17 years and i quit probably about 14 years ago now. Mm-hmm. And I know that I can never, ever have a single drag of a cigarette because as soon as I do, I'm going to be a full-time smoker for the rest of my life. And I know that. And it's the same thing. If I watch a single scene, if I go back and revisit a single scene and actually watch it, I'll end up watching the entire run of the show. And I want to do that. I do want to wow. do that. I have, I, And I'm looking forward to that. And I'm hoping that that's something we can do on the uh, the Talk to Dead podcast at some point is go back and do a do a rewatch. Not, you know, as in detail, but uh, as we did originally, but, you know, having more than a decade's worth of perspective on, uh, on early episodes, I think that'd be great. Mm-hmm. I can think of two scenes off the top of my head that I thought were absolutely amazing. One, when Sophia came out of the barn in season two, yep. uh, the mid-season finale. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, uh, there was a, we were buying into that. There was a lot of nothing going on during that first uh, half a season and it paid off in a big way. Mm-hmm. So that was very good. That was early, in, uh, yeah, midway through season two. And the second scene I can think of is uh, the last scene with Eugene and Rosita having the call, oh, not the last scene, but the scene where in the final episode where Eugene was asking Rosita, essentially, where are you bitten? Right. Uh, and, and her saying yes with her eyes. That scene was a masterclass in writing and performance and uh, emotion it was uh, it was fantastic yeah I, I agree with uh, with both of those I mean I would have brought up the Sophia thing as well I think it was such a great payoff to to what they were working towards there and you know at the time a lot of people were were complaining about season two and about how I mean they're spending all this time on a farm just roaming around looking for a lost girl like move on do something else yeah yeah and and it just paid off so so well as far as favorite episodes like I to this day maintain that the pilot of the show the first one is excellent yeah for sure very 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 good I have gone back and rewatched it a few times. Sometimes I just want to put something on. They also released it in black and white, which was really fun to sort of uh, match up with the comic, right? The original comic was in black and white. Um, and that's a similar, but different experience watching it. It's, it's, um, it's a really, really great episode. And then in season 10, which was during the pandemic, uh, you know, they shut down for a while. And then when they did come back, they produced six extra episodes that they tacked on to the end of season 10. They were a little bit smaller scale. They focused on an individual character maybe, so they didn't need as big a production crew and stuff like that. And it was something they could film during some COVID restrictions. But the one they did uh, called Here's Negan that told the pre-outbreak story of of Negan and and what was happening with, with him and his wife and the origin of Lucille... 
I thought that was a really, really good episode too. Jeffrey Dean Morgan's fantastic. He's, you know, he's a great actor um, and acting against his real life wife playing his wife uh, in, in, in the universe. So I thought that that's one of my favorites as well. I think they did a great job there, but over the years, they've done some real bangers. I mean, every season has had an episode, I think that's been very, very good. Um, and that's, uh, I mean, I, I think that's something to say about this show that they've been able to have their ups and downs, but really deliver on on things occasionally mm-hmm. I like more, more than occasionally i guess <laughs> you know if i had to pick a third and i will pick a third is the uh season three at the prison i think it was uh it was carol that used uh, a dead axle as a uh uh as a bullet shield it was uh what was his name <laughs> right. uh lou something lou temple uh, Lou Temple played axel i called him yes. jasper for uh the entire season <laughs> uh which uh you know, uh, so maybe that maybe how uh, <laughs> I, I got the name of my that. son, but I really enjoyed it when Carol, Carol was such a yeah. badass in season three and four. Uh, you know, just using using him as a as a, as a as a shield when uh, you know. It's, speaking of of traveling, Lou Temple when we went to New York, I think, or maybe it was Atlanta. We we met him, got a picture with him, you and me standing there with him. Great dude. Yeah, he's a fantastic dude. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see him in more things. I have to say, so the Sophia coming out of the barn, part of that is the fact that I'm on a rewatch of Daredevil right now. And I'm, I'm on season two where they've introduced John Bernthal as the Punisher. And he's just so fucking intense. And he was uh-huh. <laughs> he was so intense as Shane. And there, there was this whole thing where you watched him unravel on screen. And I, and I, I was... Mm-hmm. I initially hated Shane. I hated him. I hated the character. I didn't like John John's work with it. There was something that was just too unhinged about it. But the longer he did that role, the longer he was that character, mm-hmm. you could see why. And it was it was just such a great yeah where he just cracked open those doors and they just went to town on all the walkers that were in there. And you saw yeah. that change in yeah. And everybody's reaction. Shane, Shane, I think, was a great character. And I think John Bernthal really did a good job with it. I didn't know him at all (laughs) before coming into The Walking Dead. uh, How He Met Your Mother. (laughs) We did an actor spotlight on him. We watched those old stuff. and It's just this bit character on How He Met Your Mother. (laughs) Anyway, go on. Yeah, but I didn't. I didn't know him at the time. And he's gone on to be a decent movie star now mm-hmm. but uh i think he did great work as shane he was like you said he a little unhinged yeah. um take no bullshit kind of guy you know he's the one who was who 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 wanted to make decisions and and yeah you know just not screw around not uh should we let these guys live should we not you know should whatever no let's just kill these bastards and move on um yeah. that's one approach to uh, things in the Walking Dead universe, I guess. But John Bernthal, he, I think he did fantastic work there. Um, and uh, you're right. He was the guy who opened the barn doors, wasn't he? And just let them all out. Yeah, he they, ran over. He heard the noise. That's what, yeah. I, was, that's what I was asking because it was one of those things where I I know that because I'm on this rewatch of Daredevil, I was like, I, I want to see that episode. And I watched that. He just goes, what the fuck is that? Yeah. And he runs towards the doors and he cracks the doors open and they all these walkers come out. And they just they just go right to town on him. <laughs> yeah. and I was like, "There we go. Yeah. That's it." There. Well, he needed to prove that uh, they weren't just sick. Yeah, he w- they're not just sick people. 
yeah. uh, in a barn. They're actually dead. You shoot them, right. they don't go down. Like they're not, they're not alive anymore. Yeah. And, uh, he, you know, he was very frustrated and very angry that people just could not understand that. Well, he introduced, he introduced the, right. What, um, Rick needed to become. He introduced that to Rick. It's like, yeah. this is what you need to be. Cause Rick was still, Rick didn't see yeah. all of it. Right. Like Rick was in a coma and he came out of the coma and the, all that horrible <laughs> shit that was it happening happened. And he came out of it like, Oh my God, what, you know? <laughs> so it's, it's funny to see all these people who did yeah. live through it go, no, man, this is not a good situation. We're not in a good situation <laughs> at all. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. When the dead are up and walking, it's bad, bad situation. You gotta, you gotta make decisions. Oh, you gotta oh, uh, decisions. deal with some things. Anyways, I, I think that's, I think it's really cool yeah, that that's to, right. to hear y'all, both of you say the same episode where I was like, that's the one that, I, I I've definitely watched that one episode before and I am a, a I was a 20 year smoker and I quit easily oh, yeah. 10, 10, 12 years ago. And, oh, and I, I am very similar to you in that I could not, I could not have a drag of a cigarette or I'd want to smoke, but I have no interest in smoking. So it's no, when I smell it now, it's uh it's gross. quite disgusting. I Super think, gross. yeah, that first drag would be like, Ugh! But, but that second would be great. The second one, yeah. After a while, <laughs> when you once you work through that shit, it's you know, I miss smoking. I miss it. <laughs> I I have no idea what that's like. Never smoked in my life. Yeah. Well, you know, addiction's a funny thing. Yep. Once you're out of it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. As far sure. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm listening. Hey, you know, I think there was some good stuff at uh, Terminus too. They didn't really stay there very long, but I can recall the scene where, ooh, who is it? Rick, Glenn, a few more people, you know, are kneeling yeah. with their heads over a trough, and uh, the Terminus termites, as they became to be known, you know, were were questioning them about something and chopping heads off. And I thought that was a pretty intense scene oh, yeah, right, too. Right, right, Gareth. Right. Uh, yes, that's right, Gareth. Pretty intense scene as well. For some reason, that one sticks out in my mind uh, as I don't know, just one of the more shocking things that the show has shown us. Well, because it, because it covered brutality, it co like just the desperation of, and it was interesting to hear yeah. him say, like, we used to be like this. We, this used to mean something. And then someone came in and took it all from us mm -hmm. and we took it back. And it was interesting to hear that morality play out. Right. Where it's, we're just not going to trust anybody anymore. Mm -hmm. And then they stick them in the train cars and you get the scene with Rick saying, we're screwing, they're screwing with the wrong people, which was a yeah. rewrite of the line from the comic when, before they could, use the F word as much as they did in the final season, but a good, uh, a good final shot yeah, there. I think good. I really enjoyed that one. How has that dynamic of Chris being the knowledge holder of the, the comics helped drive the conversation? Cause I know that in a lot of the episodes early on that I've listened to you, uh, uh, Jason, you will say, Oh, well, I don't know why they did this and blah, 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 blah. And then, and then Chris, you'll say, well, that's, with like the comic. And I thought I got you that comic. <laughs> Haven't you read up to this point? And there's just got to be a point where you stopped reading the comics, Jason. Yeah. Issue 100. So I, as soon as Negan showed up, uh, it was, it was the issue where, uh, in the comic where Negan kills Glenn. Okay. So, uh, that is where I stopped. And that, uh, that kind of solidified, I, you know, it was kind of, I, I don't know how it fits into the timeline, but, uh, 
you know, I, I relied a lot on Chris for the information, any news or information about the comic or information, uh, you know, outside of the actual episodes themselves, all of that information flowed through Chris mm-hmm. at up until that point, it all flowed through Chris and the comic that I was reading. So I think at that point, it kind of solidified in my mind that I will now officially ignore everything. I, uh, I will not have any, uh, walking dead news. I will not have a, you know, I, I will not, you know, contribute to an algorithm that shows me any walking dead content, whether it's on uh, YouTube or, uh, Reddit or what have you. Uh, so at that point I consciously made a decision to ignore absolutely everything. And that, uh, I didn't want to taint my thoughts. I didn't want to have other people's opinions flowing through me. Mm-hmm. I wanted to have my own opinions and I wanted to hear Chris's opinions. And I wanted to hear the listeners' opinions when they called us out and said, what, you guys are crazy. Uh, this does, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, reality is this. But after the fact. But after the fact. Yeah, after yeah. the fact. True. Of course. So uh, every time Chris <laughs> on the podcast says, we had a call or we have a, we have a listener that called in about uh, such and such a top topic. I'm like, oh shit, now I'm going to get called on the carpet for something. <laughs> uh, it happens all the time. It's fine. Yeah. It's all good. I'm willing <laughs> to learn and grow. Uh, so I think, yeah. So I, at, uh, now that the show is over, I can read the comics again. I don't know if I have them all, like all the, uh, the trade paperbacks, but, uh, I'm sure that they're fairly easy to go back and get. Yeah. The, the big hardcovers are the ones you want. They're pretty nice books, but you know, I was much more invested in the comics in the early days of the comic. I feel like I remember more about the first 50 to a hundred issues than I do about the final right. 97 or whatever it was when, before it ended, when they were early on when they were at the prison, you know, things like that, when they were in Woodbury, that's that I feel like is when I was really, really into the comic. I've read the, you know, I, I finished reading the comics Mm -hmm. at the time that it finished, um, which was a number of years ago at this point, but I feel like I just don't, I wasn't quite as invested in all of the Commonwealth stuff from the comics, even though I sort of kind of had it rattling around in my brain a little bit watching the show. Um, I, the show for some reason felt uh just felt divorced a little bit more from the comics as we got closer to the end for me um yeah and so i i don't know i i i i I, maybe that was a bit of a conscious thing too i tried to separate a, a little bit because even though i i saw the the bigger storylines coming through i wasn't as focused on the details watching the final few episodes or few seasons of the TV show as it related to the comics in terms of the way it works between the two of us. Like, you know, I, I think it benefited things actually, Jason, have you stop reading it and you be the real, like coming at this with fresh perspective, you know, you don't have any of the baggage of the comics. And I think that was most evident in your reaction to the whisperers compared to mine, because you had a pretty, uh, negative reaction to them, I think. I didn't see them as a threat. They're just these weird folks living out in the woods, walking around with zombies. Like, yeah, where's the threat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But if I, but I think if you have the history of the comics right. behind you, you get it a little bit more, right? And I, but uh, but I, I understand your side of things. So I think it worked out well that you stopped reading them at one hundred. Yeah, I think so too. I think that's where the the the, the concept solidified in my mind. 
Um, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, guys, I am. Um, uh, th th this has been. I've been bugging Chris, Jason. You you may or may not have heard this, but I have been bugging Chris since I started my podcast. I was like, listen, I I really enjoyed listening to Talking Dead, and I think you guys would be a good guest about talking about what it's like to run a podcast for a long time. And four years later, I get to sit here and actually have this conversation. Just harassing me <laughs> on and on. I, I, I don't know how I, um, I think, I think I've seen you a dozen times in the past two years. And I think I've brought it up four out of the dozen times I've seen you like, Hey, maybe we should do it. Uh, but I mean, yeah, to, to be fair, did, did Chris tell you what I wanted to call my episode of you guys being on my podcast? No. The talking dead postmortem. Oh yeah. That's good. Thanks. I'm all about the wordplay. It's pretty good. I'm all about the wordplay. It's genius. Well, listen, Hugh, it was actually a great time doing this. And, uh, I've, I always wanted to do it for the record, but it's, you know, it's oh. a lot of work a lot of work doing a full-time job and another podcast and so we i'm glad we made it happen why well, yeah too. it's been an absolute pleasure this episode of can't sell this was produced in toronto ontario canada all creative content in this episode is copyright hugh elliott and stefan grambart questions or comments can be emailed to admin at can't sell this podcast.com music for the podcast is provided by not of find not of at not of.bandcamp.com Opening and closing voiceover provided by jeffwright.ca. If you enjoyed this episode, a like in whatever platform you use goes a long way to helping the podcast get noticed. Thanks for listening and keep creating. Monsieur.